as promised, we're back with Black and Blurred. Hi. Yeah, no, I know. I switched it up different. on you. That's I switched different. it up on you. Oh, that's Pop. That's Darren. I don't get it. What, what is the part Systems. Part? Systems. Oh, Can't yeah. adapt to systems. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's a five. Can you only give me two ones back? Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't study rocket engineer. Um, so, guys, we're back. We're back. And, you know, we're, there's going to be necessary banter in the beginning of this, but I want to dive right into it so we can get through this. And I want you guys to track. If you are driving right now, then you need to listen to this episode again. If you're not driving and you're sitting down or you're doing something where you can actually pay attention, get a pen, get a notebook, and let's go to church. Let's, let's open the Bible and let's look. Because the foundation of our faith, I mean, there are so many things. If you haven't listened to the, that's another, if you did not listen to part one of this, then listen to part one so you can know what we're referring to. Um, but the claims and, or the claimants uh, from part one who are in denial of Jesus' deity, yet they profess to be Christian, they have to stay away from places like you referenced, Darren, and, and, and stuff like that. They have to stay away from Philippians 2. They have to stay away from Colossians 3. That right. they, they have to stay away from, from Peter. They got to stay away from they Hebrews. Got, they got to stay away from Peter. You know, they got to stay away from Jude. The Bible. And um, there is something that every Christian, I'm talking to every Christian now, every Christian ought to know about the way the Bible works. In that one, it is an ancient collection of texts. Yeah. An ancient collection of texts. You can't miss that. I mean, they're just reading and these words are popping out and they're just, you know, yeah, see, that's what it says. I mean, the guy, you know, his incoherent threads on Instagram is just saying all this stuff. Yeah. China Ann McClain is. She's a greater. That's what I wanted to talk about. But go ahead. Oh, great. We can look at it real yeah, quick. We'll get it, we yeah, can yeah. look at it real quick. Um, I actually need this place. Am I showing this? You will eventually. Oh, okay. Where is that again, Matthew? Uh, where is that? I can find it. Um, John 14. That's right. John 14. 28. Yeah, there's something important. What were you going to say about it, though? Um, I was just going to say, I was going to talk about um, how that uh, in 20, in 2020, Whenever she posted that, I'm assuming it was during COVID. <laughs> but in 2020, she sees the word greater and assumes uh, quality or, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know. Qualitatively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, she assumes that Jesus means the father is better than me, stronger than me, more powerful than me. He knows more than me. Um, but we're going to get into what that language means. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one. That's very easy. Um, mm -hmm. But you already addressed it a little bit. I mean, this is, this is something we're dealing with today in today's context, right? The head of the house is greater than the one who submits to the head of the house. Right. That, that's the issue we have is in today's society. I don't want you to be greater. Meanwhile, we're equal. We're right. equal in status. Yeah. We're equal in value. We're equal qualitatively. We equally are in submission to the Lord. Right. We are equal in our um, uh, task as humans, mm -hmm. right? Not equal in role, equal in our tasks, in our, in our mandate, mm -hmm. in the cultural mandate uh, bestowed on us by God himself. Um, but I don't want you to be greater. Mm -hmm. I want to be greater. But uh, you mentioned Hebrews. There's book of Hebrews is just spending the entire time going on a clinic of saying how Jesus isn't just some other guy. Yeah. You can't say he's an angel because to, 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 who are the, to, to, uh, to which of the angels did God say? They begin asking, mm -hmm. quoting from the Old Testament. When did God say this to an angel? Right. When did God say this about an angel? When did God say this about an angel? You have Jesus as the high priest, and he's saying, well, no. I know you're going to say, the author of Hebrews, I'm, I'm speaking on your behalf. I know you're going to say that. Jesus can't be a high priest because you have to be born from the line of Levi mm -hmm. or you have to be born from the Aaronic line and from Aaron to be a high, high priest. Jesus is a high priest. And the author of Hebrews is saying, well, no, he's from the order of Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. This is a whole different thing. 
And that's what leads people to like, who's this Melchizedek? Yeah. Um, so uh, let me real quick. You can go on to the Bible real quick. Let's look at this Maison. I mean, greater. It's important. If you track right here, this is the uh, Greek word, Maison. Now, real quickly, this is just a very quick search. We're going to look at this. And let's see what it, oh, whoops. Oh, that's fine. Where is it? You see it? Um, I think I lost it, but that's not what I meant to do. I meant to go here. Let's do Bible word study. We should get paid by Logos right now. <laughs> um, so here's just a basic lexicon. Great, big, full-grown, high, deep, old, adult, great, strong, great, loud, great, hard, grave, great, mighty, great, weighty, big, boastful, great, important, steadfast, lasting, loud, long. All the different ways that this uh, has been used. Uh, great, large, surprising, important. Oh, this clicked on the wrong. This comes from the the Megas. Yeah, it, but yeah. I wanted it to go to this thing. Where is, that? Where is it? Maison. Uh -huh. Greater, larger, bigger in a comparative sense. Having high status, older. Now, this is important. Because this superior doesn't mean uh, qualitatively. There's a different word used. Yeah. And that word is used in Hebrews in comparison to G with Jesus and the angels. Where that means that Jesus is better. Yeah. It, in the English, it trans translates to superior. Mm -hmm. But it means he's better. Yeah. But I'm, 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 using all, I'm showing you all of this to show that uh, of what it's saying of Jesus is that um, Jesus' role is lesser, right? smaller as far as him comparatively than the Father. And that's important. That's important because uh, that's the way that this mystery of this Trinity is operating. But um, this idea of a Trinity that people have talked about and, I mean, that these per people brought up in their clips and this doctrine that apparently Christians conspired, um, the the beginning of a trinitarian doctrine doesn't start with christianity right it starts actually with jewish theology there's a book called the two powers of heaven by alan siegel and what he's doing in that book is he is showing how jewish theology encompassed um a two powers theology where they basically saw yahweh as dwelling in multiple powers, at the very least, uh, binitarian, mm. two powers. And, um, but they definitely saw him as multiple powers. One God, you can look throughout your whole your Old Testament, and it's repeated. There's only one God. Yahweh says, I am only one. There's none more than me. Yet they saw him dwelling in multiple powers. And that theology obviously changed when you got somebody in the New Testament saying, yeah, y'all killed one of them. But this is what I want to do. Let's walk through a quick little systematic way of understanding the scriptures and what it teaches. Darren, if I said, um, Dag, I had an example. If I said, man, it was going to be. Like, would you follow Jesus and worship God? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Darren, if I said this, name me. Uh, name me a white man that you trust, and I'll name you a black man that I trust more. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the point is made already. The point is made already because you're sitting here laughing and not getting me able to give me one. Now, oh, there are people listening who have no idea what just happened. Right. I'm speaking regular English words. Mm -hmm. It's a regular statement. Yeah. There's an idea that is uh, implied by that statement, and then there's an idea that's inferred mm -hmm. by that statement. Meanwhile, what did you think that I was just doing just now? Um, quoting Michael Scott in the office. The, 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 the statement that I just made made your mind go to the office. Right. 
you still actually could have adhered to my statement. You could have listed a white guy yeah. with the expectation that I'm about to list a black guy. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the only thing you just did is you heard me speak and it took your mind immediately to the office. Mm-hmm. And the entire Bible is like that. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project calls it hyperlinks. Michael Heiser would call it hyperlinks as well, where there are certain things, there are events that take place in the Bible where uh, subsequent events for millennia are referenced through hyperlinks, where certain language is used not to just say that word, but to take the reader's mind to a specific thing. Mm -hmm. And so now we start to question when you have these people like a Brandon Tatum or China and McLean still using the title Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why are you calling him Christ? Right. What do you think that title is? It's not just this thing. It's the Greek word Christus coming from the Hebrew word Meshiach, which just means in English, the anointed one. It doesn't merely mean an anointed one. Mm-hmm. There's a profile attached to it. There's a specific profile all throughout the Bible that's attached to this anointed one. And to call him Christ is to profess something. Right. It's not just a title. And so I'm going to go through a couple of things like that. You started with John 1. So I'm going to start with Abraham in Genesis. First, let's start with Acts. Acts 7. We're just going to look at the Bible, guys. So make sure you keep track of these. I'm going to post my notes um, so that you can have this. And, and, and hopefully you'll be well versed in showing that um, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord, and you'll get the significance of that by the end of this. Acts 7. All right. Get me on the, on the screen. We're going to do a lot of that. Let's just go 2 through 4. This is what Stephen says. Where are we? Let me not confuse. Let me get this here. Man, these numbers are small. <laughs> um, and Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham. That's important. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Now, why am I highlighting that? Go back to me. I'm highlighting that to show that Stephen is saying that God appeared to Abraham. He says that explicitly. Right. God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. So now we have in Genesis 12, let's go to where he's talking about. Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1 through 6 says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And anyone who may not be familiar, Abraham's name before the Lord renamed him was Abram. Uh, As the Lord told him. And him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And and Abram took Sarai and his wife, uh, Sarai's wife and Lot's, and Lot his brother-in-law. I can't read. And all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Um, and when they came to the land of Kadem, Abram passed through the land. This thing scrolls. Oh, passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. And at the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Um, I think I'll stop there. I'll stop there. Um, so we see here. Let's start. Go from the top. Uh, this is uh, the Lord appearing, he says. In, 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 the, in Genesis, when we read it, it just says that God is talking to Abraham. Right. But Stephen apparently understood it as the Lord appearing to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, this is significant because one big question that people ask that, that I want people to keep in mind as I walk through this. One big question that people ask about Trinitarian doctrine and this whole Jesus is God thing is like God is not going to become a human or yeah, God is God is not going to wear a body or God doesn't reveal himself in a body or in human form or, you know, even appear. Well, Philippians 2 said that. 
So, um, so now let's go to um, Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Now, this is important because now we're getting down to where you started in John. Mm-hmm. Where is this idea that John is calling Jesus the word coming from? Some people will attribute it to just Greek thought. He's the logos. That's what it means. The word, the logos, where he is rationality. He is intellect in and of itself. He is uh, sensibility, <laughs> essence of it, mm-hmm. embodied. And it's true. That's he true. is those things. Yeah. But John's view of Jesus being the Logos isn't Greek merely. Right. It's Hebrew. It's Israelite. Mm-hmm. That's what John is. Right. John's a Jew. And so one, one good explanation I heard was like people who are bilingual often have like bilingual thoughts. Well, they're in their thoughts. They're just different languages going mm-hmm. around. Because it's, about, it's who they are. Yeah. John lived in a Greek territory, but he's a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. And so it could be the same, one and the same, as far as Jesus being a Logos, but it definitely harkens back to what we're about to read right now. This is what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, this is important because it says that the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And, and the next thing that people will probably say is, yeah, but this is the Lord talking to Abraham. It's like a you know a mysterious voice coming down. That's not how vision works. No, no. Vision involves sight. Yeah. Abram's seeing someone. Right. Abram is seeing someone. Um, I'm going to read it. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless in the heir of my house, um, Eliezer of Demat, uh, the heir of my Wait, I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my house will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. He brought him outside. Let me get rid of these things for people. And said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So maybe that's not enough either. The Lord appears. The word of the Lord comes to Abraham in a vision and he's bringing him places. Now and he also, Abraham also says, oh, Lord God, what yeah. would you give for me? Yeah. He knows who he is. Yeah. He knows who he is. Um, he knows who he is. Now, listen to this. John eight fifty six. I'm just going to read this one. But keep track, people listening. This is in John eight fifty six. Jesus, the incarnate word. Um, I'm going to read this. I'm just going to read a commentary of John eight fifty six uh, from Michael Heiser. This comes out of Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. If you have not heard of this book, buy it. If you would like a less scholarly, no shame in that, but still uh, the same works and the same information, it's called supernatural. So either unseen realm or supernatural. I, I'll, if I can remember, I'll post links to both of those. This is what he says. In John eight fifty six, Jesus, the incarnate word, informs his Jewish antagonist that he appeared to Abraham uh, prior to his incarnation. Abraham, your father, this is Jesus speaking. Abraham, your father, rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it and was glad. The Jews object vehemently to this claim, Heiser says, whereupon Jesus utters his famous statement, before Abraham was, I am. Only Genesis 12 and 15 provide the coherent backdrop to this claim. It's right in our Old Testament. It's right in our Old Testament. Let's look at another in Genesis of, this is just, this whole umbrella is Yahweh being embodied and then also associated with the word. So that's, this is important. This is Yahweh. There is no question. This is Yahweh in Genesis appearing to Abraham, and he's called the word. And not only is he the word, he's embodied. And let's look at another one in Genesis 18 where he is embodied. Genesis 18, 1 through 5. And the Lord appeared 
to him. Oh gosh. By the oaks of Mamre. And he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing in front of them. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord. Now, right now, it says that he appeared. If you want to argue with what that means, Abraham clearly sees someone. Right. He runs to him and he bows. Mm-hmm. And then he goes further. And he says, oh, Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. So apparently he's standing somewhere and doesn't want him to proceed further. (laughs) Let let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick. Three seeds of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. So Abraham wants to wash feet mm-hmm. and he wants to feed food. Yeah. You don't do that with unembodied individuals. No. This is a big deal that the Lord, Yahweh, mm-hmm. the invisible one, has appeared to anyone in the Old Testament and in a body. Right. This is a prerequisite to it happening again in the New Testament. Right. This is a prerequisite to it happening again in the New Testament. Um, let's move on. Some other associations. Now we have angel, the angel of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord in our English. Angel of the Lord in our English. That's significant, but just keep track. Genesis 31. Oh, wrong mouse. So in Genesis 31, uh, verse 11, where are we at here? Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flocks are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. Now, that's important. Let's keep tracking here. Going back to verse 11. It says, then the angel of God said to me in a dream. And and Jacob responds, okay, here I am. Say what you need to say. And the angel says, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock and are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I, the angel have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. Highlighting that he is the God who met his forefathers at Bethel. Yeah. Um, Genesis 32. So we have the angel. Now, I, I want to I show people this in, in its original language. So just track with me. Keep looking at verse 11, even if it gets a little dizzying. There's, there's our highlighted spot right here. Malach Elohim, the angel of God, okay? So that's one of the titles, angel of God. Keep tracking with that. Malach Elohim. Um, Let's go to Genesis 32. Let's just scroll, okay? Genesis 32, verse 28 and 29. This is that famous scene of Jacob wrestling with God. Then he said, uh, let me see, where are we at? What did I say? 32, 28, and 29. And so after the wrestling, then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. (laughs) Now, that's important. So we have them wrestling. I'm not going to dive deep into that. that could, I just don't want to take too much too much time. But I'm going to go to Hosea 12 because Hosea 12 is going to reference this instant, instance. And it's important to understand the way hermeneutics works and, and understanding context and also understanding what the writers believed. You can get a lot of answers about Scripture when you learn what the writers of Scripture, the scribes, believed. Yeah. 
you, you learn about that. So let's listen to what Hosea says in Hosea 12. And we're going to do verse three and four. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel and in his man's manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel. Now, what's interesting about that statement, if you don't catch it, is that Jacob didn't wrestle with God at Bethel. It was in Jabbok. But how did God introduce himself in Genesis 31? The God of Bethel. Bethel. The angel of God introduced himself as I am the God of Bethel. He wrestles with this man uh-huh. in Jabbok. The man himself says, this is what I'm going to call you because you have strived with God and man. Uh-huh. And then Hosea reads all this and says, yeah, man, yeah, you was wrestling with God, you know, and more poetry after that. <laughs> so that's significant. So we're still talking about this angel language here. Let's look at, uh, this is one of my, uh, favorite Genesis 48 because you, you start talking about Trinity but this is just more um, you know quantitatively aesthetically uh, pleasing the symmetry is good but it's still it's still quite interesting let's go to Genesis 48 Genesis 48 verse 14 to 16 so at this point Jacob is old Jacob is now old and he's going to bless his grandsons and I want to read that blessing to you. I want you to l- listen to this blessing. Verses 14. Start with verse 14. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. Two main things that should stick out. He's praying and he's asking a blessing to the God that he knows, the God, his God, the God of his fa- uh, father and his grandfather, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. No one has a question who that God is. He continues praying to this God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And then he says to the angel. To the angel. But the next thing that should stand out. Is he says bless. Now you you can't really see it, um, and maybe you can see it here. Let me go. If I go over to bless at the bottom left of the screen, it shows you all of the different uh, attributes of this word and its grammatical attributes. This is singular. This is a Hebrew word in its singular form. So he's what that shows us is that he's talking to one person. Yeah. He's talking to one person. He's asking one person to bless his grandchildren. Yet he refers to this one person as the God and the angel. So it seems that even Jacob recognizes this God who is one, but shows himself in multiple forms. Right. Or multiple persons. Multiple persons. Multiple persons. Okay. um, Let's look at Joshua 5. We're, We're rolling, guys. We're rolling. In Joshua 5, um, there is a, uh, let me see. Uh, Okay. I'm going to start with verse 13. Joshua 5, verse 13. Now, we're we're still dealing with this angel. Right. We're still dealing with this angel. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you adversaries or or you are or are you our adversaries? And he said, no. (laughs) I love that answer. Are you for us or are you our adversaries? No, I'm neither, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I've come and Joshua fell on his face to the earth 
and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. There are multiple places where this angel of the Lord or this commander of the Lord's army, that's another title. This commander shows up and has a sword drawn. I'm not going to read them, but another one you can take for your notes is Numbers 22, verse 23. And another is 1 Chronicles 21, verse 16. Numbers 22, verse 23. And 1 Chronicles 21, verse 16. So now we're getting into some deeper things. So, so let, let, let's, let's gather ourselves. So far, in the beginning of the Bible, we see that God appears to people. Mm-hmm. Even before that, I, I started late. I mean, he even appeared to um, Hagar. Yeah, he appeared to Hagar, but he he appears to people. He appears embodied, mm-hmm. recognizable. Where he also speaks from the heavens, but then he also appears. There are different instances. Even the the Abraham sacrifice of Isaac, um, God is speaking from the heavens in this scene, but then he's also there. Yeah. And it's weird. It's very subtle, but it's weird. It's weird. Um, Exodus 23. This is important. So now we're getting into some hyperlinked language that we're very familiar with in the New Testament. You read it in Philippians. You read it um, and you you think about different passages that talk about um, the name. Yeah. The, The name and... Uh, there's a segment in Michael Heiser's book that I'm going to read. But before that, I want to read Exodus 23. Exodus 23, starting with verse 20. This name, Hashem. Oh, I should have blown all these things up like this. Made them big so people could see it. Now, this is Yahweh. And now he's speaking of this angel. Yes, right. So, so now we have them both in this picture. Yahweh is speaking about the angel. Mm-hmm. This is what Yahweh says to Moses and the Israelites. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your transgression. For my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say. <laughs> I know. Hey, yikes. Yeah. What are we doing, Lord? Yikes. Yeah. What are we doing? If you obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out. Now, I'm not going to go into all that. That's a different episode because now we're talking about slaying giants that are connected to Genesis 6 and angels having sex with women. Mm-hmm. But that's different. That's different. Um, so the, I'm going to read what Michael Heiser says. This is also coming from the Unseen Realm, page 143. What does this curious... What does this curious phrase mean? Moses knew instantly. (laughs) Anyone thinking of the burning bush account does as well. When God told Moses that his name was in his angel, he was saying that he was in this angel. (laughs) His very presence or essence, the I am of the burning bush, would accompany Moses and the Israelites to the promised land and fight for them. Only he could defeat the gods of the nations and the descendants of the Nephilim who Moses and Joshua would find there. There are some other places um, in Isaiah 30, also in Psalm 20. And it just speaks of the name of the Lord as a person. The name will defend you. The name will go before you. Speaks of it as a person. These attributes that we have, that we understand, Darren, you have a name. You're a person who has a name. Mm-hmm. You're a person who uses words. But the unmade one, 
His word is him. Yeah. His name is him. Mm -hmm. It's quite different. It's quite different. And so now we're wrapping up. We're getting to the end, uh, sort of. How are we doing on time? We got 10 minutes. <laughs> what, what are we at? 35? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to condense this. Guys, I'll leave you all these notes. I'll post them. Um, I wonder how I can post them. Yeah. yeah. I'll, leave you, I'll leave you these notes somewhere. So we have the name of the person. Now let's get into some other language. Just go to Jesus. Let's get into this New Testament now. There are some things that they didn't touch on. Darren, just from your notes, it, they, they just, there's no argument from yeah. them. There's nothing to say. And the arguments are going to sound like what Homeboy said on Instagram. He just throws a bunch of LOLs. I think China Ann McClain is, is genuine. Sincere, man. She's sincere and she's misguided. She's giving it thought. And yeah, she's right. Brandon Tatum yeah. seems a little bit more arrogant. You know, I don't know what you mean by you've been doing this since 2008. I mean, no Christian ever gets there. Yeah. You should always be learning and you should be studying to show yourself approved since you've been doing this in 2008. Yeah. If you've been doing it for 2008 and you also want to be teaching people, you said you've been teaching. You need to study and show yourself approved, sir. That's what a rookie, man. Come on. Yeah. Uh, hyperlink. Yeah, right. That's yeah. a hyperlink. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you want me to think about what he said. Mm-hmm. That's what the scriptures do. So, speaking of hyperlinks, son of man and Lord. Let me start with Lord. I'll I'll, I'll do the short versions of these things. Lord is important. When it comes down to the scribes and the name of Yahweh, it was a sacred thing. And it got down to the point where it was forbidden to speak it out loud. They wanted to honor his name. They did not want to say the name Yahweh. They wanted to honor his name. So what they would do is they would insert vowels into it, into their text, so that when the reader is reading that scroll, they would say Adonai, mm-hmm. which is Lord. That's why in your Bibles, if you read any passage where it, in the original text it says Yahweh, um, the earth is Yahweh's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Mm-hmm. For he established upon the seas. So it, it, in our Bible, it'll say Lord mm-hmm. because that's what that is. And so what that means is that this Lord is Yahweh. Right. I'm not going to say his name, but that's the Lord. It's Yahweh. Lord isn't just a title. It can be used that way, and it has been used that way. Where did they get the idea they shouldn't say his name? It's a sac- It's sacred. He's the, he's the yeah, I know, but like beginning the, and the end. You know, God never told them, "Don't say my name." You know, well, I mean, that's just I reverence. Why, that's okay. just reverence. Yeah. It's just reverence. Mm. Um, I mean, he he did say not to yeah, yeah right. bear it in vain. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's turned into. Like don't cuss, don't cuss or yeah. you know don't say God or something like that. But it's actually far more significant than that, far more significant than that. So so that's important to know, and that's what it meant. Sometimes it would be Elohim. They would change the vowels to turn it to Elohim, which is pretty interesting because you you change Yahweh and you put in the vowels to change it to Elohim, and it turns into Yahuwah. Mm-hmm. And then over time, when you start to add other consonants like J, I'm not consonants. Uh, yeah, like J. Um, that turns into Jehovah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where we get the name Jehovah from. Mm-hmm. So that's not a part of the original text. It's not a part. And, and even we still don't know technically if Yahweh is 100% correct. Yeah. But we do know that he is the I am, right? So, um, so that's Lord. So now there's far more significance when a Jew says that if you believe or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is, is Lord Yahweh, right. and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The essence of our salvation is the belief in Jesus's deity. Right. That God himself came, died, rose again from the dead for the sufficient sacrifice of our sins. See, if he's anything else, any other creature, the sacrifice isn't sufficient. And that's what I thought about when the dude said that the trick of the devil was to convince Christians that Jesus is God. But it's consistent that Satan is convincing people to believe that Jesus isn't God. Well, he's always attacking. You look at every false religion. It always attacks the deity of God. There's a Jesus. There's a famous story. And. Mark 3, Mark mm-hmm. three twenty eight, 
Mark 3, 28, the shorter version is this. Jesus does a power and, and uh, um, cast a demon out of a man. And then the religious leaders watching are like, oh, he's doing this by the power of Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. And this is where that famous statement that Jesus says comes from. He said, hey, there's going to be a lot of things that are forgiven. That's actually good news to us. Mm-hmm. There's going to be so many things that are forgiven. But one transgression that's not going to be forgiven is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And what is blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Essentially, it is attributing the works of God to Satan. Yeah. And the reason, it's not like an action that you do, but it's a heart. It's a heart, heart that comes yeah. with that. Right. It means that even when God does the work, mm-hmm. that's not going to convince you. Yeah. You don't want to be forgiven. You don't want to see his. That's a and dangerous thing. He's done a good thing. Yeah. You he's done I mean? a good thing. He's that's done right. A good thing. He, that's right. And so this brother, in the black sense, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 a far way off. Yeah. Yeah. Quite spiritually dangerous. The only type of danger that should worry us. I'm going to read a quick commentary on that about that blasphemy and the Holy Spirit. The plain and wonderful truth of verse 28 must not be overlooked because of the difficulty of 29. With but one exception, blasphemy, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, God will forgive all persons, all sins. The importance of what Jesus underscored by Mark's first use of the word amen, which along with the verb to say is translated. Let me, let me get here. Um, here, Mark defined the sin that will never be forgiven. It is ascribing to Satan and his demons the works of the Holy Spirit manifested in the ministry of Jesus. It's not a single act, but a habitual action and attitude. The imperfect, uh, the imperfect tense could be translated. They kept on saying. So what he's saying is this. What? <laughs> Nothing. Go ahead. Think about Jeff Durbin, man. Oh. Yeah. The um, the uh, what he's saying is, in our English, we would see that they said that he's doing this by the work of Satan. Right. But it's an imperfect sense in the Greek word, which says that they kept on attributing Jesus' works, works to Satan. Right. And he's saying, yeah. that's the one thing. Yeah. That's the one thing you can't be forgiven of because it, it, it maintains your status as a sinner. Yeah. It maintains it. Um, and sinners don't dwell with the Lord. And it's only through Jesus' sacrifice that he transforms us from sinners to sons and daughters. Yeah. Then we are dwelled with the Lord as heirs. Mm-hmm. So he not only forgives our sin, but then grants us an inheritance we yeah. don't deserve. It, this this deserve Jesus it who place. couldn't even resurrect himself. Yeah. Yeah, man. Then what are you, What is your hope? Yeah. If Jesus couldn't resurrect himself, yeah, what, what is you your hope? In? What are you hoping in? Why do you call him Lord? What makes you think you'd be resurrected? So here's another one. Going back to the name, I'm wrapping up. I'm going to start let, do this, and then we're going to talk Son of Man real quick. Um, <laughs> the name, what? <laughs> Go ahead. What is your problem? <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Go ahead. We can talk about it later. I mean, oh. It's funny. Go ahead. So I'm going to read what you said, but now I'm going to read it in light of what we just saw in the Old Testament about the Lord's name. Yeah. About his name. This is what Paul says, Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Mm -hmm. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him what? Hashem, the name. That is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory to the glory of God, the father. I'm going to go a step further. Not only does Paul's understanding of this name get attributed to Jesus. Paul directly takes a passage from the Old Testament. That's about Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And he repurposes it for Jesus. Right. Because he's still talking about Yahweh. Right. I'm going to read it real quick. Isaiah 45. In this entire section, Yahweh is basically saying, hey, I'm the one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one capable. I'm the only one who will do it. I'm the only one you should give your attention to. I'm the only one you should fear. I'm the only one you should worship. The entire section is just riddled with only me's. 
Isaiah 45, start with verse 21. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who, who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord, Yahweh? That's what that says in Hebrew. And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I've sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return void. Essentially, with it. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. And the Greek word we have in Philippians 2 that says confess implies allegiance. Right. That's what you're confessing, your allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be to him shall come and be ashamed, all who are incensed against him. And Paul sees this passage in light of his revelation, the apocalypse of Jesus, and he says, "Yeah, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh." To the glory of God the Father. I guess what I'm, you know, it seems like people's allegiance is to what they believe. You know what I mean? Like they've decided what they believe. That's what their allegiance is to. Yeah. Ultimately themselves. It's the same thing happening in politics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's ultimately themselves, not the word of God. Yeah. There's no way that a Brandon Tatum could read this. Um, with us. So imagine he was right here at the table and said, nah, man. Yeah. At that point. Well, that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit right, is. Right. At that, that point. That's, it's, it's an like, attitude. Oh, okay. It's a disposition. Yeah. Right? So that that's that's such a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that. So in, in, in a sense, as sinners, that's our default. Right. You know, people talk about, I remember that Michael Todd thing. He said you go to hell for unbelief. No, you don't. Yeah. You go to hell because that's your home. Right. As a sinful human being, that's your destined home. Mm-hmm. And God rescued us from going to that destination, our destined place of dwelling, where we belong as wretched sinners. That's where we belong. And But what you do on top of being a wretched sinner is you make a profession yeah. that God will never do this type of thing. Whatever that profession is. But that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. You say that, yeah, not, you know, God is never, I'm going to speak on his behalf. That's not what he can do. Right, yeah. And I'm sticking to it. So now you, you've discounted your salvation, discredited. I watched a, a, a street preacher. Um, he's very, very arrogant. Um, but there were some Muslims there. Mm-hmm. And one of the Muslims asked him, which was a great question from a Muslim um, and a great setup question. If he's there to share the gospel, it is a great question. And the Muslim said, why would your God come to earth as a man and put on flesh and blood? Man. Why would he be a servant? Man. Allah would never do that. (laughs) Oh, man. This guy in all his arrogance blows right past it. Did your God speak? Does your God, my God, speak? Yeah, they muscle flexing. Yeah, it's just yeah, like. Yeah, see, the strong move quiet, bro. Yeah. They move quiet. And he was very, I'm like, wow, you missed it. That's it. Strength yeah. doesn't need to show it. Yeah. Now, we've seen all the images of the angel of the Lord. We've seen Yahweh. That's who that is, the angel of the Lord. And what's that one thing that the angel and the commander have? Power? Authority? A sword. Okay. It was vague. It was vague. <laughs> oh, okay. But they have a sword. Yeah. There's another one in Revelation who has a sword yeah. coming out his mouth. Yeah. And there's a name <laughs> attached to that person as well. Um you go into that and close with it. No, <laughs> oh, I'm closing, okay. I'm closing now. Um uh, I'm gonna read Matthew twenty six. Um, Matthew 26, verse 57, very popular scene. Jesus has been arrested. Darren, you referenced it. Starting with verse 57. Now, those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. 
where the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him from a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And he went inside and was sitting with the officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus in order that they could put him to death. And they didn't find it. That's funny. Think about all the accusations that have come up against this point. They couldn't find false testimony, although many false witnesses came forward. And finally, two came forward and said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it within three days. And the high priest stood up and said to him, do you reply nothing? What are these people testifying against you? But Jesus was silent. The strong move quiet. And the high priest said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Man. I just got goosebumps as a as a fellow sinner. Yeah. Speaking to the Lord in his face. Yeah, I know. Uh, where was I? And the high priest said to him, I put you under oath by the living God that you tell us if you are the Christ. The son of God. Jesus said to him, you've said it, but I tell you. From now on. You will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his robe, saying he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have just now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, he deserves death. They understood what he said. Right. Jesus is referencing a picture in Daniel 7. Um, uh, where did I put it? Yeah, Jesus is referencing a picture in Daniel 7. Not only that, Jesus' favorite title for himself. You think about that. You read through the Gospels. Whenever Jesus refers to himself, Son of man. Mm -hmm. That's what he uses. It's frequently used in the Old Testament. There is one time where Ezekiel is called a son of man to describe that he's human. But there's a shift that happens uh, with this title, and it's significant to our faith in Christ. And that shift is Daniel 7. Verse 9 through 10, and then I'm going to read verse 13 through 14. Is Jesus... Uh, Jesus uses this title for himself in the writing on the clouds that gives this different shift because that's a, those things are specific. Um, uh, let me read it. Let me, let me, let me, I, I thought I had it here. Just pull it up. This will be our last text. Daniel 7, verse 9. Now, this is important. As I looked... Thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. No one reading that has a question of who they're referring to, who Daniel is referring to. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. So we, we're looking at a divine council scene, a divine judgment scene, really. Let's go to 13. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. So we're talking about multiple persons. Mm hmm. And was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That is Yahwistic language. And. <laughs> You know, I know we're we're stringing this all together. Yeah, but Paul didn't know Daniel. No, they didn't meet. But he knew his <laughs> he, writing. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Paul didn't walk with Jesus. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, uh, these people were 
hundreds of years apart from each other, thousands. Not Paul so, and Jesus. Well, no. Yeah. I'm, you know, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Old, talking about Old Testament here. Right. You're talking about Joshua, Daniel. Yeah. These people using the same language, Moses, Abraham. Yeah. All using the same language. They didn't know one another. Yeah. Personal. <laughs> right. Like me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I know. I know. I know. They, they definitely know their They scripture. knew of. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. Of course. Um, I'm just trying to get people to understand that yeah, there's right. no way. You know, people say, well, we even got together and conspired to write yeah, this right, story right, right, to right, trick right, everyone. Right. Like, this right. is insane. That's right. Yeah, they're telling one story. <laughs> Here's a hyperlink in that. Obviously, Son of Man is just pretty explicit. Hey, there's one in the Son of Man. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. And there's this Yahwistic language. He's given dominion, glory, a kingdom right. everlasting that will never end. But there's one hyperlink that gets passed over. His cloud riding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, a human can't ride on clouds, but and, there's and, something deeper than that. Yeah. There's something deeper than that. I'm going to read um, from what Michael Heiser says. <laughs> Old Testament writers were quite familiar with Baal. Baal was the main source of consternation about Israel's propensity towards idolatry. In an effort to make the point that Yahweh, the God of Israel, deserved worship instead of Baal, the biblical writers occasionally pilfered this stock description of Baal as cloud rider and assigned it to Yahweh. There is no one like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help and with his majesty through the skies. Deuteronomy 33. So this is polemic. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is scripture attacking what the culture believes. The cultures around them, Baal is the Lord, he's God, and to show he's God, he rides on the clouds. And the scripture is like, no, only Yahweh rides on the clouds. Mm-hmm. Our God is the one true God, not your God. And so that's what the scriptures are doing. It shows it in the different Psalms, it shows it in Deuteronomy. Yahweh is the cloud rider. Only Yahweh is the true cloud rider. And then you have in Daniel this son of man right. who's the cloud rider. It's like, well, which one is it? Is Yahweh the cloud rider or the son of man? Yes Mm -hmm. is the answer. Yes is the answer. Honorable mention, honorable mention is Jude. This is is the final one. Get my music going. This is the final one. Honorable mention. We saw in Exodus 23 that Yahweh sent the angel before them that had his name. Even if you didn't know that before that, you knew that it was Yahweh that set Israel free from the grasp of Egypt and its gods and the slavery that was a result of that. Listen to what Jude says about who set Israel free. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe if you are somebody who believes that jesus isn't god um you have a lot of work to do scholastically mm-hmm. but that's the least of your worries you are literally in your sins right now if you have not professed that jesus is lord then you have professed in some person who insufficiently has sacrificed himself for you mm-hmm whose resurrection you cannot live in, who cannot provide you hope. There needs to be an unblemished one who dies on our behalf. God is the only one who is good. That's to answer our friend's question on Instagram. That's what Jesus's point was. Why do you call me good when only God is good? The answer we have now, because it's been revealed to us, is because you're God, Jesus. That's why we call you good. That's why that Friday is a good Friday. And that's why the resurrection is possible because he's God. Thank you guys for rocking with us. That was long, mm-hmm. but I hope it was edifying to you. Place your faith in Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord, and tune into the next episode of Black and Blur where we're guaranteed to do one of two things. Um, give you our humble opinion or the fact <laughs> oh lord the real lord <laughs> <laughs>